0: Thank you for tuning in to Bianca Talks policy politics and hip hop. Uh, I am Bianca Shaw, I am your host here every Wednesday um, at 8.30 p.m. And tonight we were having some technical difficulties as we are in this virtual space. So I appreciate each person that has held on. I wanted to start tonight because we have my good friend Millie, who I've been knowing um, for a few years, but feels like, you know, forever because she's become a sister to me over uh, the past years that I've known her. Uh, met her in Wisconsin Women's March and um, through our motherhood, through our stories, we've just grown a really uh, good bond. And I'm so um, happy to call you friend. Um, She does live in. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I was just going to say you do live in Door County. So whenever I'm there posting those amazing pictures, um, (laughs) this is the young woman that I'm normally um, going to visit. So thank you so much for being here tonight thank you thank you for having me and you're right that eve song
1: just warped me back and took me to high school in those adolescent friendships relationships and man that song is so real right and it does like i have to take a, a deep breath and especially in the work that i do mm-hmm. and just take a step back and be like that was real life that's real right. life for for a lot
0: of us still it is talk to me about the work that you do you are the executive director of help of door county and that is the yeah. only domestic violence agency in door county talk to me about what you do there
1: yeah so um i'll tell you what i did there right to how i got to the position of executive director i i would consider myself a long um advocate from like a long time advocate. Like I've been advocating for myself and for others, for those of you who know me and are watching since like I was wee little and I think it's a spirit that has always carried on. Um, I started off as an advocate or or originally with help of Door County as a volunteer and I would help with translation, interpretation, helped with their visitation exchange program when I first moved to Door County and that transition um, from the North suburbs of Chicago. And then I was hired on years later after I had Siomi, my, my kids, I have four kids. So Siomi and Ezi, um, my youngest, were ready to go into school. I took a role on as an advocate. And shortly thereafter, I was a coordinator and I was directing services in the organization. Uh, last year, I just completed my first year as executive director. It's huge because I'm um, the only Latina running a mainstream organization to end gender-based violence in Congratulations. Wisconsin. Yes, yes. And you're right. Help of Door County is the only domestic violence agency in our county. And our county is huge. So our county encompasses Washington Island, um, all the way through Southern Door. So we're in Northern Door, Sturgeon Bay area, and then Southern Door. So We span probably over 80 miles of um, Lake Michigan, and we're a really big community, I would say, kind of like land-wise. And being in a rural area and also being in a tourist area brings its own kind of differences, right? And when we serve and how we serve the community that we do. Um, But it doesn't stop us. And I'm just so proud to be a part of an amazing team that is always looking to serve our community and doing everything they possibly can to serve um the folks that we help. Right. And how long has the
0: organization been in Door County?
1: Uh, Help of Door County is one of the oldest nonprofits in Door County. Okay. Um, and as you know, I don't know if you know or not, but I think right now and in, in this time we 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 think that sexual uh, abuse agencies and domestic violence agencies have always been around, and in reality, okay. they have they hadn't really started until the late '70s, um, and in the into the early mid '80s. And Haldor County was actually one of those first few organizations. So our organization has been around since
0: 1979.
1: Okay. Okay. Are yeah. you? Know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Before I was born, I would say not before my birthday, but that's awesome. And I think that um, that is important to note, though, because it's like um, they've been around. Yes, because the need has always been around. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I look at, you know, my story um, and my family, so... When oh, you begin to uncover your family's history and you begin to receive the stories, it helps you to understand the state that you're in. and it helps you to better um, not better the cycles, stop the cycles, generational cycles, and better the future of those that come behind you, whether they be your children, your nieces, your nephews, your cousins. Um, What we do is not only to stop the generational cycles within our personal families, but it's also just within our familial families as well, because um, having conversations about these things is something that has had to happen for years, but has been so under the radar. And I think that um, the fact that you and I are both advocates for domestic violence and have stories to share, um, you know, I have a story to share Within, And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say you have a story to share within domestic violence. I mean that I have a story to share. Um, And it's just phenomenal to be able to work with people that have hands on and are making the decisions and impacts in some of those organizations um, um, that that exist. Because in Milwaukee, I think that we don't have too many that actually concentrate only there's a handful I would say and for the population is what I'm trying to say there aren't enough um there isn't enough funding going towards um domestic violence and and my story is simply that um, my grandmother um was in an abusive relationship um with with her um with her husband her second husband who was not my biological father in an abusive relationship um you know uh, saved her life um, and, and had to take another's. This was in 1880, uh, 1982, excuse me, 1982. And this was a year before Wisconsin adopted the self-defense law. So yeah. my, mother, my grandmother, right, my grandmother essentially was sentenced to jail in and to, and to Cheetah, And as I was saying to you, when I uncovered my family history, um, my grandmother had a job at General Motors, owned a home over in the 30th Corridor, and, you know, our life was, I will not say set up, but I, I would have had a different um, path, I think, had that not happened, and so I do look at those things because domestic violence was a part Um of the reason why she made the decision she did. And looking back, I'm so happy that I have my grandmother here with me today, right? Um, Even in the decisions that are made and there was, you know, um, a life lost. And saying all of that, um, my family not talking about it, I eventually started dating individuals who I unknowingly, you know, now that I'm 40 years old, I can look back and say, having been attracted to like toxic masculinity and going through situations mm-hmm. with individuals who not who are not in touch with themselves. And you know, when I was in high school, it was the first time that a guy put his hands on me. You know what I mean? And it was, it was a, a one-time thing, definitely, and we stopped dating, but that was my first experience. And that is like the, the statistics around it is we experience it very early if um, if we're not talked to about it. And about how to cope with
1: it i think you i think you hit on a whole bunch of stuff bianca that is super important one thing that i want to talk about with regards to the laws and um your grandmother having to do time for that self-defense and understanding and recognizing when we talk about domestic violence Uh, understanding that domestic violence can happen to anyone and everyone, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it was really important for you to talk about, like my grandmother worked at General Motors. My grandmother owned her home. Mm -hmm. She was slaying it. There was a whole bunch of good happening in our lives. And we were breaking, kind of like those cycles and we were like building generational wealth, right? And understanding that that's a like a huge misconception is that domestic violence only happens on certain poverty levels or in Mm -hmm. certain communities and understanding like, no, that's not the truth. Like I've given advocacy to doctors, I've given advocacy Mm -hmm. to other advocates Mm -hmm. that do this work day in and day out. And it could be someone that's making more than six figures to someone um, who is struggling financially, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But when we do speak, I typically go back to he and she, pronouns, and typically he is abuser and she is a victim. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that uh, women cannot abuse or be abusers themselves, or to ignore uh, um, non-gender binary folks or, or within the LGBTQ community, because we know that domestic violence thrives in, in many of these communities. And at, if anything, within the LGBTQ community, community can also put people at higher risk right or or, especially Mm -hmm. in communities of color because of the lack of funding and the lack of resources but one thing you hit upon was that self-defense law and understanding that's something that we're constantly trying to teach about is that women typically use violence very differently so Mm. can women be abusive yes but typically the violence that women use are usually resistive and reactive measures so by that i mean like i am resisting that you have been abusing me you have been treating me this way i can no longer handle that and now i'm snapping right so now i'm having a reaction to that abuse or i'm resisting your violence and sometimes that could be um being preemptive with the violence so i'm used to you coming home i hear the tires squealing i can What kind of tension you're in a bad mood. And before you even come at me, I might take the offense, right? Because I know where this is going to lead. So I'm not saying that this is always the situation, but typically in uh, relationships that are domestic that are founded in domestic violence. When you have that fear factor, you have that imbalance of power and control. And typically women aren't wanting power and control over their partners. They're basically just wanting that common ground. um, And they will use that resistive and reactive violence where men who abuse other men, women, and children do wanna maintain some form of control. So that's either by using threats, by coercion, by isolating families, that emotional abuse that verbal abuse gaslighting making you think like you're going crazy
0: using yes. children and that's real children. yeah that's something so, that's underrated not- and I'm, I'm I'm not triggered as much as I used to be but that's something that's underrated where people feel like if it's not like physical sexual emotional and verbal abuse is definitely a thing I've experienced it and you definitely feel like you're losing your mind and instead mm-hmm. of you losing your mind well in the process of losing your mind you begin to lose everything around you
1: you know what I mean um, you're losing relationships with your family and your friends mm -hmm. and your relationship within work Mm -hmm. so if you're having to call call out of work because you're upset or these things and just knowing that it's very it's how can I put this it's it's very insidious Like it comes in really sneaky and you're not expecting it. And Mm -hmm. at first you're thinking, you know, my dude loves me or my partner loves me because they're checking up on me. And they wouldn't ask me these questions if they, if they, if they didn't care about me, of course, Mm -hmm. they want to know where I'm at and what I'm doing and understanding like that toxic masculinity that comes into play and what defines what manhood is. And and using those different privileges that toxic masculinity does like their male privilege in order to maintain power and control over somebody and Mm -hmm. understanding that within relationships um financial abuse occurs more than 98 percent of the time when you are in a domestic violent relationship so there's a lot of factors that play into this and i think the most important takeaway would be, are you afraid of your partner? And by afraid, I'm not only talking about physical abuse, Mm -hmm. I'm not only talking about kind of what's really obvious, but are you afraid to express your feelings your emotions? Are you feeling emotionally and sexually safe with your partner? Are you feeling like you can have that conversation and you have that mutual trust and respect and understanding and man, you're going to have my back? Or am I, am I going to avoid a certain conversation or what I'm doing or what I'm wearing or, or who mm-hmm. I am as a person? Because I don't want to set you off and I don't want to feel like I'm walking on eggshells. And right. understand that that's a huge part of the cycle of violence and what domestic violence is.
0: Yes, well, we got we just dove right in and I did not mean to do that. <laughs> like I was
1: not <laughs> but there's so much, right? Yes. Like there's so much to talk about that generational, like when you're talking about my grandma being in this in this unhealthy relationship, and then even having my first teenage relationship, how you said be abusive and understanding mm-hmm. this is generational and, mm-hmm. and this trauma gets carried on, but I think it's also important to understand that resiliency gets carried on as well in mm. healing and understanding that when we heal ourselves, I want to say that Corinne Sanchez said, like, when we heal ourselves, we're also heal- healing our ancestors and those that came before us. And I, I totally yeah. believe that, but I want to push that a little further and say, when we heal ourselves, we're not only healing our ancestors and those that came before us, but we're healing our future generations too. Right. Like we're healing our our grandbabies and their grandbabies and their grandbabies. And we're setting them up um, for healthiness Mm -hmm. and, and to not be in the survival mode, but to be in this thriving mode and we understand like the roots of domestic violence that that led to the survival way of thinking and understanding that a lot of this is rooted in oppression um in systemic oppression and racism and heteronormativity and male privilege in the way that media and ads portray women toxic masculinity mm-hmm. there's so much ageism and then not taking into effect or into into impact like folks with disabilities and everything. So if you look somewhere and you think these people are being oppressed, that's where domestic violence is being rooted in, in that Mm -hmm. inequality because a healthy relationship would be based in quality and equity, right? Um, Not only quality, but that equity piece that is super important. And knowing that what happens in the home is very reflective of what's happening out in the world. And if you you pay attention to what's happening out in the world or what has been happening in the last few years, what is it? Like you see that toxicity in the media, you see that toxicity playing in um, within politics, in, in leadership, when you're demeaning groups of people and you're putting people down and um, this equality and equity-based thinking isn't being used, that is what is being learned in the home. And it's a reflection. So what is out in society and culture will be reflected in the home. And what is in the home will be reflected out in society and culture. So you hit it on the head. At the, at the end of the day, it's all about education and educating our youth and attacking this pro- this problem of domestic violence from not only one angle, but multiple angles. And to really sit down and talk and be like, what part of this am I upholding? Am I upholding patriarchy? Am I upholding toxic masculinity? Am I upholding um, this like white supremacy? Because even though um, you might not consider yourself racist or a white supremacist or heteronormative, like what ideals, Am I thinking that these people should be treated less than me? Or wh- where are these mindsets and and how do I combat that thinking?
0: Right. And so you definitely have my wheels turning because um, and I, I wanna bag up and then go forward, but there's so many levels to what we're dealing with in life, not just in one, you know, area of life. And I think we are uh, talking about domestic violence tonight, but you start, you know, that led into the root, the 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 historical rule I want to say um, so there's this surface generational piece that we have but then there's there's that historical you know DNA piece that we have so um, I want to close out the generational cycle piece which is where we have the most control, like immediate, you know, when you can recognize it. And I wanna say not as an expert, I wanna say expert in my own right because of the experiences I've had with domestic violence in my own life, my mom's life and uncovering I was two years old when it happened with my grandmother so my sisters experienced it a lot more than me and now that my grandmother is more um she's okay with talking about it now when i ask questions it's not something that she just you know comes out and talk about but when i experience my domestic violence um uh, recently, when Olivia—not recently—it was uh, four years ago now when I experienced my domestic violence uh, in front of Olivia that I wanted to have a talk with her because I didn't want to. I didn't want. I don't want that for Olivia's future, and I I knew I had to uncover her story, you know, so that I could begin to understand my own. And so I think that I want to leave the viewers with something um, because you left off with some really serious questions like how are you feeling in your relationship, really? What is the, you know, what's what's going on in your relationship? Making sure that it's healthy, um, making sure that you're healthy. That's one thing that I realized in being in abusive relationships is, you know, Not saying that you're an unhealthy person in one, but there's for sure some healthy things that you have to do for yourself before you can become whole before. Let me talk for myself before I can become whole, but awareness, I think is where it starts. Um, But I want you to take me from there. What are things people can do if they feel like they're experiencing abuse in their relationships, or if they know they are. And I know that you're in Door County, but you have sister agencies here in the city of Milwaukee. and I. Y'all, yeah, y'all getting real loud. I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot, I, I put my video <laughs> off and not my um, mute. Uh, that's to my uh, niece and my little cousin. So um, I was saying that you're in Door County. I want you to offer some tips and suggestions on what people can do. You, We have sister agencies here um, in Milwaukee. I use the services of Sojourner Family Peace Center, who's um, pretty big and, and amazing. I would definitely recommend them to anybody. Um, and uh, there are places around the county and around the country. So I think that the information you will share, it will be applicable to any person that may be experiencing you know, some form of abuse.
1: Absolutely. So for starters, one thing um, that I tell people is to reach out and have that conversation and reach out and ask to speak to an advocate, right? Because sometimes we think that I just remember being in my marriage. I'll be a little vulnerable too. My husband and I have been married for 20 years, but I remember really young in our marriage within that first five years before I started doing movement work and learning about domestic violence, our our family and friends thought we were the healthiest out of all of our friends, right? We had multiple friends that were getting divorced and um, people thought that like, man, Rudy and Millie are super solid. Um, I can say that now, right? <laughs> but five years into our marriage, no way we were very toxic with each other. And I don't call it abusive just because I was never afraid of Rudy. Rudy was never afraid of me. We were like two bulls hitting each other. Right. So there wasn't this power and control dynamic, but it definitely could have led to that. Had I been with somebody else, had he been with somebody else I could have definitely seen how we could have been destructive. Right. So I think number one, if you don't know what a healthy relationship looks like, And understanding that you have to be whole and you have to be healed and understanding like our partners aren't responsible for our healing. We're responsible for our own healing and we can't be putting that burden on on people. So right there for a minute.
0: What is that? That's okay. let's go there. Because you said something that hit me. um, If you don't recognize what a healthy relationship looks like. You know, um, if you grow up in households where healthy relationships are not um, portrayed, even a little bit better is okay. And you know what I mean? Just being able to understand that piece, I think for me was something that I I had to at 36, 37 learn. I think a powerful tool
1: that we use at the office, and I know that many different agencies use is the power and control wheel and also that equality wheel. And I think a lot of times we focus on what negative relationships look like or these toxic, unhealthy, abusive relationships look like. But I wanna take the focus on what healthy relations or what healthy relationships look like. So that looks like mutual respect. That looks like being um, like your partner Uh, Being proud of you and supporting your dreams, supporting your aspirations, wanting you to have your own family and friends, wanting you to have an identity outside of them. And then wanting to have this different, wanting to um, use nonviolence when raising children, instead of being argumentative, holding themselves accountable and not minimizing and denying and blaming their behavior, but really saying, yeah, you're right, I was being a jerk. I did say these things, let me hold back and let let me check that within me and let's come back together and have these conversations. So knowing that those are tools that we use every day to see what is unhealthy, what is healthy so that we could compare the two and start this healing or start seeing where are we on this spectrum of healing and where we need to go and oftentimes like my advocates when we're training advocates and we're having people here and they're on their healing journey i always warn them and i tell them listen once you know and you are you learn this there's no looking back and then you start recognizing these power and control dynamics everywhere. You recognize them, even like within a mother-daughter relationship, within you and your children, with you and your best friend, or, or toxic friendships that you've held on to just because we've been friends since we were five years old. You recognize it in in political ways. You you recognize it in your employment and the way that a, a superior, or a boss. A supervisor will treat somebody else. You recognize it on the street when you start seeing these things. So it's like, it's almost like you, you have this, I don't, I hate the, the like, okay, now you're woke, right? I hate that. I hate when people are like, yeah, I'm woke. But it's almost like you have a second layer of film be taking off your eyes and you start seeing things from a different perspective. But I think number one, in order to, to be in a healthy relationship, you have to actually see And learn what one looks like, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's what's been super important. I know you work with DCF and with state stuff, but I know, um, like, that like funding has been instrumental, and the relationships that Help of Door County has had with End Domestic Abuse Wisconsin and other programs, domestic violence programs within our agency. has been this youth, like the youth movements, right? And teaching and doing prevention and outreach to kids Mm -hmm. and knowing that we have a youth group called FIRE. It's called Forging Youth Relationship Education, Mm -hmm. where... Basically, we have youth that are learning anti-oppression work, anti-violence work, learning about what healthy relationships are. And then they take that information to their peers, whether it's at the skate park, whether it's at school, whether it's within their own individual relationships. And they like our kiddos have been lucky to have presentations and like present over seven to 700 youth at the annual youth team summit that abuse throws and having conversations at their schools and that is how we're going to educate people because you're right we're not automatically taught these things at home and unfortunately emotional intelligence and and networking and leadership and this healthy relationships aren't taught at school either or or sometimes Mm -hmm. they're not taught at home so recognizing that if we want our communities to heal those of us who recognize that need to make that sacrifice Mm -hmm. and start mentoring youth and teaching them to mentor and uphold other youth as well so uh you mentioned or or what are some steps that you can do if you think you're in a in a domestic violent relationship one call a helpline call a hotline a local line in your area you're in milwaukee i think also number two um if I try as best as I can. I'm a woman of color. I'm leading, like I said, I'm leading a mainstream organization. I try and run my organization as culturally specific as I can and as intersectional as I can. But let's not deny the fact that Dork County is a very white community, right? Like we're over 98% white. So just in in knowing that, If you have culturally specific organizations in Milwaukee, which you do, like ASHA project that specifically serves black women, UMOS, Unidos, that specifically serve Latina women or anybody, but that have advocates of color from your culture that understand the bicultural piece and, and the community piece and different pieces that we come to the table with, within our generational and our historical trauma. Um Hawa, uh, so like the mm-hmm. hm, uh, Hmong American Women's Association, um like these culturally specific agencies that will work with you in your language, in your culture, um, giving you these services. And of course, like mainstream organizations just like Cup of Door County, like you had mentioned, Sojourner, um that are doing really good work in our communities and recognizing that there are plenty of options. There are always plenty of options. And if you feel uncomfortable one place or another, like understanding that. Another shout out to um, Diverse and Resilient, uh, that they're culturally specific to LGBTQ communities. What is it called? Diverse and Resilient. Um, But there's just, there's so many, agencies with so many advocates doing the hard work that we do here in our community that are doing like that are doing really good work in milwaukee and just hooking up with with local agencies and seeing like how can i volunteer how can i help support your agency how can i learn about these healthy relationships is there something that i can do or, or my children can get involved with these different programs so that we can start healing and stop this, this you know, these unhealthy cycles. The
0: Continue. I hope that your questions.
1: I yes, I get on a tangent, so I'm like. Rain me back in if you
0: have to, no, this is all good information. I think in this area, um as much information as much information that we can get out there is so important because we're not I'm not gonna say we're not having the conversations enough publicly. I'm not sure if we're having the conversations enough, and creating a norm a norm around having conversations about equity in every arena, like if we're not talking about equity, what are we talking about and so I think that um this voice deserves, you know, a seat at the table, just as any other voice does. So I really appreciate you for,
1: you know, taking out
0: the time to educate us tonight.
1: You're welcome. I know that there's a lot of misconceptions that happen. And oftentimes when we're doing the work, like a lot of the times I get asked, like, well, why doesn't she just leave? Why doesn't Mm -hmm. the person just leave this abusive relationship? And the first thing I say is, why do we always put the onus on the victim right like why don't we say why does that person abuse or think that physical abuse or emotional abuse is okay we never go there we always go like we always blame the victim in one way or another um and we talk about victim blaming even as it pertains to sexual abuse or sexual assault well what were you wearing were you drunk were you being promiscuous Like, like as if somehow that rectifies or that's like that makes abuse okay and it doesn't And I wonder, yeah, go
0: ahead
1: no, go ahead. And understanding like there are many reasons why people don't leave these abusive relationships. Like I mentioned before, 98% of people in abusive relationships are also being financially abused. Mm. And when we look at different impacts of, like for example, in Door County, we don't have any public transportation, right? So we have... We have doorchan that that will help you get to appointments and certain things like that. But it's not like you you can jump on the bus or or like that. And the taxi services are very expensive and limited. So and like I said, we're in a very rural area. Right. So it's a lot to go to that. So if you are being abused financially, that's one thing where I don't have access to transportation or daycare in our community we have two state licensed daycare facilities for the whole county and I'm just I'm at Oz and it's like okay how do we expect people to get a job if they can't even find appropriate daycare that maybe a subsidy could could help with right and then we know that like Affordable housing is a huge issue in our community and I'm sure all all, so many other communities in Wisconsin just in general on how we can find affordable housing. And then impact that so I don't have somewhere to go and by miracle let's say I found a job right let's say I was able to find a babysitter I got a job now I don't know how to get there and more than likely my abuser has been sabotaging either my bank accounts or my vehicles. Now I have to be one of the lucky people that have been on a waiting list for over six months to get some sort of daycare. And then on top of that, it's really hard to find work here when it's not in the tourist season. And then I can't find affordable housing. Mm -hmm. On top of that, the most dangerous time for people, and the most often time when people lose their lives, and are attacked is when you leave that abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. When an abuser loses power and control, they feel they have nothing to lose. And they have that mentality of like, well, if I can't have you, then no one can. And that's where we see you know, these homicides occurring mm-hmm. or that loss of control is so huge that that's when people's life is in danger. I've helped people get in transitional living program, leave abusive relationships, be out of an abusive relationship, even get divorced. Right. And I've had a mom come back in tears speaking to me and saying it started with the bruises like on, on my child's arm and I'm caught. Con- I'm contacting CPS, but they're saying because the face wasn't in the picture, it doesn't count or or physical discipline isn't considered abuse unless we can prove this. And and it's a system and it takes mm-hmm. a while. And I remember this mom being like, you know what? that person never put their hands on my child while, while I was there because I was the buffer and no matter what, like I'm going back. And it's not because I don't love my children. And it's not because I don't want them to be protected. But I think as a mom, this is the best way I know how to protect my kid. Mm -hmm. And we know like certain agencies will look at that mom and report her as failure to protect. You're going back to an abusive relationship and knowing like, who wasn't protecting her and systemically, like it's the system that has failed, right? Yes. And, and understanding that there's plenty plenty of things that are happening that are determining why people make the decisions they make and understanding it's not our place to judge. it's not our place to know. We don't know that that mom is making herself be that bumper. We don't know what is happening. We don't know that 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 person wasn't threatened with their life and we don't know that fear because Mm -hmm. we're not living that day to day and ultimately they're doing the best that they
0: can i would agree i I definitely agree and i um, some of the things that you said resonated with, with me and i think that um we, de- I'm definitely gonna have you back. You, you will be my first, second time guest, and it's an honor. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but these I'll are no, these are so complex though, and it's so near and dear to my heart because it's a part of my story and where I'm coming from, and it has to be unpacked in a, in a way where policy has to reflect that. And we and we didn't even get to the policy really here. I do want to know, you know, before we um, sign off, I, um, I don't have to go. Um, but what policy, um, you know, what policy is there? Is there a is the policy that we have working? Is there something that we need to be um, vying for? But I um, want to respond to what you said and say that, I'm losing my, I have so much I want to say. I took a class just recently um, and it was just, a, a uh, honestly, I think it was four hours, uh, four hour classes, two four hour classes, but it was on safety science and safety science is what uh, aviation industry uses to land planes. And, you know, when things go, uh, things go wrong with the landing of planes, they use safety science to figure out what went wrong. And I think that what you said to me that stuck out the most, even with, um, you know, a lot of things that happen. People look at the very surface issue or the most, you know, the one thing and ask, and ask you know, why is she staying in that relationship? Why is that person abusing their children versus what is the root cause of that, you know, and not, understanding that it's wrong and that has to be dealt with and there has to be accountability at that surface level but for me especially in the position that I work um asking why does you know a woman go back to an abusive man or why does uh, a parent abuse their children it doesn't stop the cycle you know what i mean mm-hmm. it it mm-hmm. And, and that is what we have to deal with in our communities is those root causes of why we're doing the things that we're doing you know and, and and understanding that so that you can move forward with more informed decisions and hopefully making better choices but if you don't understand why you do the things that you do um you know, there, there's nothing anybody can say, do to make you, you see that like your life is valuable, your child's life is valuable, you know, so so on and so forth. Um, and so for me, that's what resonated with me and what you said. And also when you said when a woman leaves, this is what I didn't know, because mine was strangulation. I did like press charges and I went, you know, through the whole thing. Um, it was strangulation. And what like I, I didn't think it was, Man, and and that's I, I hate to like share it here uh, because this is such a public uh, forum, but I really didn't think that it was that bad. I, I've always and because I've grown up seeing abuse in the home. Right. Like I literally have seen some things that no child should experience. And so um, for me, it was like, you know, I wasn't beat up. I wasn't getting beat up every, you know, mm-hmm at all really it was it was two two times one where a phone was broken and the second time where you know i was being um choked out and so um i didn't take it as serious um until I started to, you know, I went through the process of pressing charges and doing everything that I needed to do and found out that the seventh time that a woman is uh, choked, um, that next time she's more than likely gonna lose her life. That, that is what the stats show. And so that made me like so happy that I had made the decision to leave the relationship, or stay at Sojourner Family Peace Center. But then I could tell you what you said was so true. Cause I had never seen this person so angry before, you know, in all honesty, like, and I, and I actually feared, like I felt the energy that like something bad was going to happen and I needed to disappear, like in all honesty. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's just, you know, and I didn't know that though. I didn't, I didn't, I've never heard anybody say it, even though I've experienced it. And so I just do want to say that today, um always open to share my story. Um, my story um, is definitely complex. Uh, what you see is not what you get. There's so many different layers to me. I think there's so many different layers to each and every one of us. What's at the tip of the iceberg is what we allow people to see. Like y'all can't see my new growth today because I put my my bun up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like that. You know, people hide what they don't want you to see. Um, and I try my best. I'm, I'm a Scorpio and I think that um, with that being said, I am a, I am an emotional being. I wear my feelings on my, you know, on the exterior and I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, And that's how I show up as my most authentic self. And I'm learning that the more I can show up as my most authentic self and share my story with other people, maybe it'll help someone. And so on this podcast, we definitely want to talk about all of the issues that are affecting us. Because again, politics is the behavior of those individuals who we um, choose to elect us. But policy is what affects our everyday lives. And if you have in politics, the majority of men make a decision for uh women's lives um we have an issue there and so representation matters so that the the policy that we see come forth actually reflects the stories that are being heard and protecting the people that we need to protect because we do have some issues and you mentioned the piece of um women that are in abusive relationships um it being said that they can't protect their children um we have to take care of the family you know we can't mm-hmm. just leave the mom out and take the kids and we can't just take the mom and a, the child out and not help the man because he's going to go on and abuse another just as a person that we take their children they're going to go on to have more children and if they don't mm-hmm. understand and learn the, their own trauma and deal with their own you know their own self that cycle continues and um you're so you're so right and one of the things
1: um i'm so proud of about being a part of helpador county and this organization is the way that we're trying to combat domestic violence so we're doing prevention right so that's working with young people and right now we've been toying and playing because we like i said we have that fire youth right and my daughter, she's about to turn 10. She's stepping into her leadership and she's, she goes to like, she's been to the youth summit and she's participated in workshops and she's learned about healthy relationships. And she's constantly playing with this work of sparks. Like without a spark mom, you can't have a fire and we're the spark. So like these little sparks. So she's, she's been planting these seeds in my head where I'm like, yeah, we need a go even younger. We need to be talking to nine, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds before they can join fire at 13 through high school, right? And even beyond that. And then understanding like intervention and crisis work and um, safety planning and that educational piece is crucial to the work that we do because you don't even know they, you're not in a healthy relationship until you're taught that, right? So just that outreach and making sure that we're having these conversations and facilitating safe places to have this conversation. Um, one really cool thing that I'm, I'm so proud of is the work that we do in our county jail, where we talk about trauma, we talk about healthy coping skills, we talk about all these things. And then what we come to realize is that, like, I think my percentage was like 99.5% of all people that I was giving services to in, in these educational groups were either victims of human trafficking, were victims of um, sexual abuse as children or as adults, and domestic violence was like in in all of these homes. And I wish I could say 100%, but there's always some people that won't fill out that survey because of that shame and, and all these things. But... I'd be pressed to say it was, it was close to like, like I said, it was 99.5. I think it's at a hundred percent to be quite honest with you. And I'm glad that you mentioned the men and also like women or folks who do abuse, right? Because we also do those services as well. So we have a program um, that's a domestic violence intervention program that um, that we have called alternatives to violence, but we're just going to start calling it the, you know, the DVIP program. It's head up by um, our one of our coordinators called Ed Mayo, and basically he works with men who abuse. And now that I'm not doing direct services. I have actually been able to co-facilitate some of these groups, and it's these perpe- its this perpetuating generational cycles, and it's accountability and changing mindsets. It's not anger management. Right. It's not about these things. It's about like digging deep and being like, why do you think it's appropriate to abuse? Like when you do this, like why do you think it's okay mm-hmm. to use your power and control? And, and, and let's like, let's. Where get did this you learn this, this from? Way. Right. Yeah. We're, how many generations of this have been going along? So not only is it like those educational groups, that crisis work in that immediate safety planning as fast as we can do it and with the youth and with folks who abuse. Like we do uh, winning women ending abuse and violence also with females who have gotten arrested for being violent. Um, like I said, the majority of that violence is resistive or reactive, but it's still not healthy. What are we teaching our children if we're, if we're engaging in these things? Like it's not right whether it's coming from men or women and understanding we have to teach how these behaviors impact our children and our future generation and we also have to teach alternatives Mm -hmm. right but understanding like this wasn't done on per on an accident bianca like this Mm -hmm. is systemic Mm -hmm. oppression is systemic oppression started like as soon as, <laughs> as soon as like America was colonized, even before that, before oppression was, even before America was colonized, I retract that because it is. You know, I just been stamped from the beginning, um, from Ibram Kendi and just even going in Europe
0: the the there has always I been a, a battle been like with man Robert, and right? I'm saying man because you know just man and I want to say there has always been that battle but I think that as far as within our history within our lineage you know what I mean what we can within really our history, speak to we have
1: to think about mm-hmm. slavery we have to think about genocide we have mm-hmm. to think about um like the women's suffrage movement and like women not having equal rights and and not like all sorts of communities not having equal rights or equity or that mutual respect and understanding this is the breeding ground this Mm -hmm. is what breeds that i'm allowed to do to you what i want to because I can and I'm more powerful mm. and you should be afraid of me. This isn't new. Like when people are telling you to be afraid of certain type of people, this is not new. This is what this is what fosters and what fuels all of this. And unfortunately, until we dismantle those forms of oppression, we're not gonna dismantle domestic violence or sexual violence.
0: I agree. And, and I think becomes- be, it is, and, and as you can even sit here and speak, because I've never, Place this category in there but also there was a children's rights movement there's been a disabilities rights movement um there has always been a movement for rights because it's all about human rights and and we all need to have each other's back we all need to be an ally uh actionable ally ally means verb means you're doing something um and so definitely I think that um this has been more than a rich conversation, and I still so I'm going to save the second question that I have for you regarding policy, like because I want to give you some time to think about that. Is you know the policy that we have? So I I only know a, a few, um, a few, and this is state. I'm thinking state, um, but do we have policies in place that really protect people? And I think you kind of answered the question already. Um, that's the question. But then what what are some advocacy uh policies that we can advocate for that will help support the network gonna parking like that for next conversation i want to get ready i know but i i literally have been on calls all day and i um you know this virtual space is like a um a curse and a blessing because, like, you don't have to go anywhere. You save on gas, you know. Or you save travel time, but you know, having three different devices, you can be on. I mean, and then when you have to, you can plug in two and three different calls at a time if you don't have a speaking role. But it's mentally exhausting, though. I think we need to acknowledge that wherever we are in this pandemic and talking about domestic violence, that is one, while some people have been able to retreat to their homes, you know, have food, have, um, you know, the things that they need to survive, a lot of people... um, there are no eyes on the children um, that may be uh, being affected uh, by abuse um, for the men and women that may being affected by abuse. So just uh, make sure that you're extending yourself um, to a person in your life, whether, you know, whether you know their story or not. I think that it's important that in this pandemic, we make sure that we stay connected um, and we stay uh, checking on, checking on each other. But I want to end on a positive note tonight and not saying that our conversation was not positive because I have taken away a lot. No, but it's
1: heavy. It's mm -hmm. heavy.
0: And and I think you're right by putting boundaries on conversations
1: and even allowing this conversation to be on a separate time for that Mm self-care and understanding when we're talking about healing, that's wow. Just to think about that, right? Mm -hmm. We're not just healing ourselves, but even think about the enormity of what this movement work does. Mm -hmm. We're healing communities. We're Mm -hmm. healing our nation. We're healing our world. We're healing our future generations. We're healing our past and ancestor generations. So even if you feel like you're taking steps forward and you're not doing as much as you need to, and you need to take a time and a breather to be like, hold up one second. I need to take care of myself. I'm working full time in this COVID world. Plus I'm, I'm handling all my business and I'm, I'm just trying to get through, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like take time to take care of yourself because this work is sacred. Yep. And I'm not only talking about advocates and people in movement, people in policy and that are doing this. Like being a being a parent is sacred.
0: <laughs> Looking you <laughs> you know, at your, and being who you are. your hurt yeah. is
1: sacred. That is hard work and understanding and recognizing that it's okay to honor yourself and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's overwhelming. And do you like? I'm proud of you. If you if you took anything, like even a little nugget of yeah. information here, and you reach out to like we're on Facebook at Help of Door County, um, or on online at www.helpofdoorcounty.org, mm-hmm. or it's in the the amazing, I mean in the comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of the amazing organizations that we talked about reach out and even if you have a question or you thought about something like I'm so proud of you I'm so proud of you for looking and being like wow I need to look inside of myself and be Mm self-aware and what what's that what's my next step right that's
0: be proud of yourself too I am I'm I'm very proud that I'm a self-aware person and that's something that started young that I that I practiced uh, in my teenage years just due to you know due to life Um, but I'm happy that you know my creator has placed that within me. And, and with that being said, you know, talking about like the work-life balance, because this work is so deep and it's never ending. And so depending upon the type of person that you are, you can just continue to go into your burnt out, you have compassion fatigue, or you know, you, you just check out. And so, what are some ways that you try to keep a balance so that you know. Um, you don't bring work home all the time. So I know it's, it's some of the times you, you definitely have to, <laughs> and it's not, you know, you can't escape that. But what do you do for work-life balance? How do you manage that? Um, wow. I think like you hit a nerve,
1: right? Because I think that's something that I struggle so much with is setting those boundaries and having some sort of balance, and especially this being my first year in the director mm-hmm. role. It has been very taxing. And there's been so much to do. But I will tell you that the only reason I can do the work that I do is because while I have been, even in my advocacy work, while I was helping fill others up, so like pouring myself into them, um, my husband, Rudy, like we've been together, we've been married for 20 years. Him and my children are consistently filling me up and my parents and my family and my movement family, like my my people, how you said, like we met at Women's March and just the amazing connections I've made with people doing this work. Mm-hmm. And I, I always make shouts out, like, man, I love my movement family, but it's knowing when we can pull away and knowing that other people will step up and knowing that while I'm pouring into somebody, someone else is pouring into me. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, like getting out of that poverty mindset and being like, no, there's abundance, like we can give this abundantly because people are giving to me. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, like, that's just because of God, like God placed me in this role. And I know that this is, this isn't just a job for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's my life's work. And I know that God specifically has put me at the stage and zero has specifically put me into work as a survivor myself of, of many different things. To be able to bring in that expertise. And one mm. thing I liked is like, I am an expert. Yeah, you are, Bianca. Yes. Like who who wants to, like, you can read all, all day, every day about how this affects a person. But when you and so do you this, live it. you live this, that yes. experience is that experience is so much. Priceless. It, it, is, it is expertise, right? Yeah, it is. And knowing yeah. like we need to get out of these white supremacist ideas and these colonized beliefs that unless we have like letters after our name or we have these degrees or whatever that like our voice, our voice is valid and understanding mm-hmm. life experiences is, is if not more um, in that. But mm-hmm. balance would be prayer and taking time out to mm-hmm. recognize that I need time and to set up those boundaries. Like for example, um, I let my board know like, okay, I'm off Thursday, Friday, I'm not gonna be back at work till the end of the new year or till you know, till next year. And having a a supportive team that will allow that and supporting each other and having, being able, able to process each other, with each other, these hard moments. And it takes a community, it really does it takes a village it takes it a neighborhood does. or it takes like a community it takes movement family it takes your family family it takes so much to do this work and i've just been blessed to
0: to be covered with it all me too and talking about the village i'm super excited to join the homeschool cohort in january <laughs> so excited about that i mean that's uh i took the vet task on myself you know in october um and I definitely wanted to get involved with the cohort, so that opportunity uh, it make it makes sense. Don't know why I didn't ask you earlier, but I just you know <laughs> happy about that. And and with that, just you know the work life balance. You know we have now um, those of us that are parents, guardians, um, you know in, uh, mentors in you know our young people's lives. We are you know now. Playing subs, you know, substitute teachers, you know what I mean. Um, teachers, as in some cases. Um, um, That plate is always gonna be there. There's always gonna be something to do on it. Um, Make sure that you're taking care of yourself as Millie was stating before, whatever that is for you, making sure that you're taking care of you because your family needs you, um, the community needs you. And if you're not well, if you're not healthy, there's no way that you can provide health um and peace and the things that we need for people to be exuding into our community um you can't give what you don't have and so i want to say um thank you millie so much for coming tonight and dropping so much knowledge so much uh expertise and just experience that you bring um i definitely am going to um with you about coming back to talk about the policy pieces around dv and probably will invite you know one or two more people um that's working in the area from around the state but are there any lasting words that you would like to say to the uh viewers well one to you i'm going to put you on the spot
1: and i want you to think about like what are three things you're going to do to take care of yourself this week because you had mentioned back-to-back meetings and how are you staying in balance and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And I saw you exhale. So like, whoop, really don't do that, but I'm going to. And, and also that challenge to the viewers is taking that time for self-justice and self-care and self-love and knowing how important that is and knowing that you're not alone. I think that's the number one thing is sometimes when we experience these things, the shame and the hurt is just so deep within our hearts that we, question ourselves as as people our identity and everything and and understanding like you are not broken you are not worthless you are valuable you were made by an awesome great creator regardless of what your thoughts and your hopes like you are here for a reason and it's a miracle that you are on this world and that you are not a mistake And whether people in your life didn't know how to love you the way that you needed to be loved, that's not to say that you can't learn and grow and give that to somebody else. And know that if you are feeling any of those feelings, if you are feeling um, that this could be you when you're thinking about your relationship, reach out for help. Because just like how Bianca got vulnerable, like, we're all in this movement work and we're all in this work for a reason and know that there are agencies that you can call in and speak to someone on.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Those are heartfelt words um, that are felt. (laughs) Olivia is telling me I got lipstick on my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I did not see it. Thanks, Olivia. Baby, <laughs> keep, keep me on point. Yeah, she keeps <laughs> me on point. Look, I swear. Uh, she- <laughs> oh, okay. So yes, thank you so much. Uh, I am gonna end there. We, you know. We definitely can go, so I'm like we uh, wanted to keep um, to make sure I get some time in tonight with her before, you know, it is bedtime, so I want to get her in bed, so thank you so much, Millie, thank you again for those lasting words, too, because they mean so much, and I think that um, as adults, we may not think enough about how we should take care of ourselves or be taking care of ourselves, but just making sure you're taking time out for you, everything that Millie said, what are three things? That you're gonna do um, for you, and I am on vacation. My last working day is Friday, so I am um, I am taking te- I am taking off from Sunday to Saturday, like the twenty. What is it? The twentieth to the you know that Saturday, and I'm even thinking about like not answering my phone calling my grandmother, and you know I have a house phone, which very few people have that. So just like not being on social media and like at home and i normally like leave home to disconnect but i think that i'm gonna try um for once to disconnect while at home um so that's one thing and stay on my exercise um plan for the week like i uh have been hit or miss uh which is you know it is what it is but i definitely um starting to feel the uh pandemic weight and i don't like oh. that um And then the third thing, I think I want to take up a a second language. I've just been thinking about that lately. Um, I'm muy poquito Espanol, so I'm thinking that... I (laughs) said if you want to learn, I will help you. Okay, so yes, so I know a little Spanish, but I want to, I think I want to pick like learn, actually learn to speak fluently, write you know, a second language. So Spanish would definitely be it because I'm already um, there. So those are the three things that I definitely can commit to. Um, and when you say things, it makes it that more powerful. So don't just think about the three things that you want to do. Say them, write them down, get you an accountability partner um, for those individuals that may be experiencing some form of abuse or, you know, you're, uh, you're uh, caring, care have concern for a child you think may be experiencing abuse. Um, I am someone in the community that has gone through domestic violence, has used the Sojourner Family Peace Center services. Um, people do inbox me I um, and I definitely try to help folks find shelter if I can. Um, I used to have a, a little plug at the Hilton with the manager where when I come, you know, help a person find housing, uh, she would work with me with just, uh, you know, trying to get um, People housing, you know, it's funny when you were saying your, the stats about, not the stats necessarily, but how people, you know, they want to talk sometimes. Sometimes folks just want to talk. They don't necessarily want to leave. And, and in my role, I have to always make sure that children are safe and okay. Um, but sometimes just be there to listen to people talk and share my story if they just want to listen to somebody that, that's going through it. Um, and every situation is different. Um, but I am here. I'm definitely inbox me. Um, if you have my work information, that that's great. But you can definitely just start by in- inboxing me. i'm on a personal level, confidential level. Um, I completely understand how that is. Make sure I can not say this enough. You're taking care of yourself. If you would like to donate to help odora County, the um. Website is in the link. I'm sorry, not in the link. The website, I'm getting tired too. The website is in the comments helpofdoorcounty.org. Is that it? Mm -hmm. helpofdorkcounty.org. And you can also, I I would
1: love it if you guys followed our Facebook page because every day we're listing articles or educational information about domestic violence and how to support our organization. And you're completely right, like understanding that when you reach out to an advocate, that is a hundred percent confidential. So understanding whether it's at Sojourner, if you're in Milwaukee or up by me at Help Of Door County or any domestic violence agency, having that confidentiality piece and yeah and understanding and recognizing how domestic violence affects children right and knowing that we Mm want to keep everybody in the household safe. Um, But I'm going to throw this out because sometimes I think the frustration is when we have loved ones, and we have friends and family, we have people that we are helping. like. Recognizing that we need to keep appropriate boundaries and take care of ourselves too, and there are professionals here that will do that. Also, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you're not and you don't have the experience, Bianca. I'm just saying no. sometimes we we take it all on, right? Um no, because have been there.
0: So uh, my um, connect at. Jordan Family Peace Center definitely we had that conversation and we created a process so when I get people call me I actually hand them off because I was carrying the stories of the individuals because I am not trained in the day-to-day to to do that and I only am able to share my story right and so it was it was yeah it was a burden on me because I'm like you know, calling people back, and and I was, and I didn't want to put it out there like that, but I think four out of the, um, four, this was during the pandemic, like when the pandemic first hit, four people contacted me. Um, One person actually took the services, and they ended up in Waukesha, Waukesha um, facility, and other, the other three just really um, wanted to talk, and, um, you know, What you were saying, you even have to check yourself because once you make it out of a situation like that, you can sometimes be like, you know, so adamant and forget what it's like, especially when you're, you know, many years removed from it, and so Having that conversation um, with the young lady at Sojourner Family helped me to understand that I have to have a care plan for myself as an advocate because I only, you know, I do state like policy and around around welfare reform is where my expertise is and um, early child care education is becoming it, um, but I am not equipped to do that work and that's not what I was sent here to do either.
1: I think one important thing also, like when, when we're trying to support our loved ones, like I said, it, it it typically takes an average of seven times of someone trying to leave their abuser. Mm. Seven times is the average. And from start to finish, usually averages five years, Mm. right? That's so sad. And sometimes I have to like I've had to tell myself that, right? When we're working with a family member, but knowing to like one thing that I always tell or, or we teach our advocates is like our place is in here to judge our place is here to give options, uh, whether it is keeping you safe while you're in this abusive relationship or helping you leave that abusive relationship. But regardless of where you are in your healing process, I want help to be that soft pillow that you can land on and know that no matter if this is your ninth and 10th time coming to my office that you are valued that you are respected and that you feel safe here to share your story and that we are always here to support. And I I'm I'll be bold and say that that's that's the majority of all agencies doing this work in this state. I'm connected with a lot of amazing directors and and they're doing amazing work. Thank you for having me on.
0: And I'm looking forward to the second piece of the conversation. And I know man. Yeah, I was finna start it because I'm like, now that lead me to believe with that stack, I didn't know that that we have to do more policy around the men then. Ara- no, I'm sorry, not around the men, around the abuser. Around the yeah. abuser. And I and, and I say men based on my bias of my experience, right? Yeah. Um, but we need to do more because. Talking about and, I, and we're gonna end, we're gonna end on this now, I promise. <laughs> because I can um, give you
1: a list of all the stuff we could
0: talk about, <laughs> like boundaries, communication, right? We didn't even get to like some of the stuff that we, we, we wanted to get into, but um the fact that if a woman historically in our communities, as you're talking about, and we didn't get into how the oppression and racism is fed into our relationships um and the historical fact of how our relationships are broken up you know Mm -hmm. not you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so if a woman uh, if a person is choosing to stay with their abuser, and they are they are not a minor um being able to help that family stay together in all honesty because and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying because we can't make this make decisions for people and as I was saying before in my process I do wonder about that aspect of it because that person goes on to abuse and so even if we do help the person that's being abused we are still Um, we still should have some sense of responsibility to see if we can help that person stop their cycles. And so... Yeah, I...
1: I would change like stopping cycles, but not necessarily having people stay together and leave. Like I always tell people, I'm never going to tell you to leave your abusive relationship, to stay in your abusive relationship or do anything. I'm going to safety plan with you. And I'm going to give you the consequences of all of your decisions as much as I possibly can, right? Because I'm not a mind reader and I can't tell you if you choose A, B, is, B C, D is BCD is going to happen. But I can give you options. options. I I can give you safety precautions and measures Mm -hmm, that we have mm -hmm. to take and ultimately that is that person's decision to make right and and what we try to do in the office is offer services all the way around Mm -hmm. so we can work with abusers we can work with people that are in crisis we can work with that prevention and we can work with youth while they're experiencing this tumultuous time in their childhood and then do do everything full circle to see how we can support the family unit holistically and and as a whole and teach about these different things so that we can start healing our our community and our families
0: thank you so much and on that note i am going to go out (laughs) um i i don't know um uh just amazing conversation so i appreciate you for joining thank you for those of us that tuned in um you'll catch me back here next week 8 30 hoping i don't have the same um technical difficulties uh but thank you so much millie um and until next time bye Thank you for listening and tuning in to Bianca Talks Policy, Politics, and Hip Hop. Catch me back here next week, 8.30, uh, Wednesday that is, at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time.